Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Exeter, Rhode Island, 1892. Edwin Brown had recently moved back to the town after traveling to Colorado to try to cure his sickness. He was rapidly wasting away at this point. He had already lost his mother and two sisters to whatever this disease was that was draining his body of life. The villagers of Exeter grew anxious, as this wasn't the first time a family had dealt with this affliction. But they had a plan. That plan would include having Edwin eat the heart and liver of his dead sister, Mercy. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, The Vampire Panic of New England. What's up, everybody? Your host, Rob, here with another Dark Mysteries episode. Now, everybody has heard of the witch trials, especially around me here in Salem. However, did you know that New England also had a vampire panic? We're going to talk about it for a little bit. Now, everyone knew of the witch hysteria that plagued New England. But did you know that for over 100 years, there was also a vampire panic here in New England. I guess maybe you did because you probably read the title of the video, but let's pretend you didn't. We're going to talk about it right now. So let's start with where did the idea of vampires come from? And the answer is much like the witch trials, they came over from Europe. In fact, a town in Serbia had this big vampire outbreak and it's so intense and massive to talk about that it's going to be a future episode, so look out for that. That happened in 1725, and there's a lot of names I'm going to have to learn, so we're just going to skip by it for now, but believe me, it came over from Europe. But the very first case that we would have here in America was in Vermont, in the town of Manchester. In 1790, Captain Isaac Burton would lose his wife, Rachel Harris, to a debilitating disease. Rachel had symptoms of coughing, pain in her chest, severe weight loss, loss of appetite, and just general breakdown of her body. Now, if that all sounds familiar, that's because that's what we now know as tuberculosis, which at the time was called consumption. And with consumption, people didn't know what caused it, so they were looking for answers anywhere they could. Now, let's fast forward a year, and Isaac would remarry. And not only did he remarry, he remarried to Rachel's stepsister, Holda. And almost immediately after their marriage, Holda started to show the same symptoms that Rachel had before her death. Trying to figure out what could be the cause of this, people clearly decided that it had to be Rachel as a vampire coming up from her grave at night to rob Holder of her life. And in the bitter cold of 1793, more than 500 people would show up in the center of the village to watch Rachel's body be exhumed. And what did they do after they exhumed Rachel's body? Well, I'm glad that you asked, listener, because what they did was they took her heart, liver, and lungs and set it on fire on a blacksmith's forge and then turned it into an elixir for Hulda to drink. Now, did that elixir work? Technically, no, because later in September, Hulda would die of her affliction. So that begs the question, did the townspeople believe that they made a mistake labeling Rachel a vampire? Well, technically, yes, because some of them believed that she wasn't a vampire. She, of course, had to be a witch. February 1796, Cumberland, Rhode Island. 
the town board had a very difficult decision to make. You see, Stephen Staples wanted to dig up his 23-year-old daughter to make sure that she wasn't a vampire. Why did he want to do this? Well, his other daughter, Lavinia, had started to show some of the same symptoms that Abigail had before she passed away. And not only that, Lavinia said that she had seen Abigail approach her at night, get on her chest, and begin to suck the life out of her. Every morning, Lavinia was waking up paler than the night before. At night, she would begin to scream out Abigail's name. Now, although the town board didn't want Stephen to do this, they decided that he could. They just told him not to make a spectacle of it, and that he didn't. In fact, we don't know what happened after he exhumed the body. And on top of all that, we have no idea what happened to Lavinia at all. What happened to her has perished in time. Now we're going to travel to Exeter, Rhode Island. And we're going to begin this tale in 1776. Now Exeter, Rhode Island is very important because you're going to hear two different stories that took place in this town. This first one is about a guy named Stuckley Tillinghast, though, who ended up having 14 children. Now in 1776, he had a dream. And in this dream, half of his tree orchard would start to decay and die. And this dream would kind of go on to be sort of a prophecy. His daughter Sarah would get sick from consumption and decline rapidly before she died. Now shortly after, another one of his daughters would become ill with consumption. But she was reporting that she saw Sarah at night trying to suck the life out of her. Now we've heard that one before and it's something you will continue to hear in these stories. And then soon after this, more of the children would get sick and they would report seeing Sarah as well. Finally, when Stuckley's wife and one of his sons got sick at the same time and started reporting seeing Sarah, he decided to take action. He would exhume the bodies of all of his children that had already passed away. Upon inspection, Sarah's body was the one that was most intact. Therefore, it was determined that she was the vampire rising up from the grave at night to slowly drain the life out of her family. In order to save his wife and son, he removed the heart from Sarah and burned it to ash. Now this would only half work as Stuckley's wife, Honor, would live, but his son would die. There are reports that seven out of his 14 children passed away, but it looks more like maybe only four of them passed away due to consumption or tuberculosis. Foster, Rhode Island, 1827. 19-year-old Nancy Young would pass away after a battle with consumption. Shortly after, Nancy's siblings would begin to show symptoms as well. And in a panic, her father Levi Young would ask some of the neighbors to dig up Nancy's body and burn it, while himself and his children stood around it, breathing in the smoke as the body burned. This would turn out not to work, and five more of Levi's children would pass away. In 1990, children playing in a pit would discover two skulls. Now at first they thought these were skulls from the victims of a nearby serial killer, but it turned out that the skulls were both over 100 years old. A forgotten family burial plot was found nearby, and a group was brought in to exhume and rebury the bodies. Now as they did this, there were two burial plots that were different than all the others. One of those two in particular stood out, with tax, it was labeled JB55. And as they opened this coffin, they saw that the rib bones had been broken, the femurs were taken, along with the skull removed, and placed on top of the rest of the body, 
in sort of a Jolly Roger from a Pirate Flags type situation. For those of you playing along at home, you're welcome. I found a way to get a pirate vampire in here. So again, you're all welcome. Upon examining these bones, it was clear that the body had died from tuberculosis and he had been dug up five years after he passed away. And it appears that the entire area believed that JB was a vampire. So they took up his body, rearranged it for some sort of ritual to get him to stop rising at night to kill all the citizens. Now, years and years after, DNA testing became a little bit better and they tested his bones and were able to identify the body as John Barber, who passed away when he was 55 years old. So now we know what JB55 stood for. Now, the last vampire case we are going to talk about right now is also the last case that happened in New England and perhaps the most documented and known one. And that is the tale of Mercy Lena Brown. Now, the Brown family would struggle with tuberculosis for years. At first, Mercy's mother and sister would contract the disease and pass away. And a few years after, her brother Edwin would contract it, as well as Mercy herself. Now, Edwin would try to move out west with hopes that the climate out there would help him battle this disease. Mercy, on the other hand, when it hit her, it hit her hard and quick and she would pass away. In fact, she would pass away on January 17th, 1892. Within this time frame, Edwin would return from Colorado. And at this point, the other townspeople were getting worried. If you remember, they had already dealt with a vampire case in Exeter and they thought they knew how to handle this. So in March, they had convinced George Brown, the father of Edwin and Mercy, to exhume the body of his dead wife and two daughters to see if any of them were a vampire. Now, George's wife and his first daughter were decomposing naturally. In fact, they were pretty much already decayed. Mercy, on the other hand, was almost perfectly intact. It had only been two months, and it was the New England winter. It was so cold they couldn't even bury her body yet. She was being stored in a crypt until the ground thawed. And that's probably why she still looked the same as she had when she died. But this didn't matter to the townspeople, and they declared that she must be a vampire. So what do you do with vampires? Exactly. You remove her heart and her liver and you burn it to ash and then you mix it up in an elixir and feed it to Edwin to save him. But did it save Edwin? No, he would pass away in September, leaving George as the only family member to survive this outbreak. Now, what was different about Mercy's case versus the other cases? This one was heavily heavily followed by newspapers, and it was distributed all throughout America and even Europe. In fact, it would show up in several cases of literature, one being H.P. Lovecraft's The Shunned House, where he references the entire ordeal. But the one that people really point to is Bram Stoker. Historians believe that this helped influence him write the book Dracula, or at least add to it. The character of Lucy heavily resembles the same circumstances as Mercy, and in fact, Lucy can be a combination of the names Mercy and Lena. These are just some of the examples of the cases that happened here in New England during the Great Vampire Panic. There are over 80 documented cases. In a moment, myself, Dave, and Jesse are gonna talk about this crazy panic that happened here in New England. But what I wanna know is, what do you think? Do you think that these people were going too far? Or with just the knowledge that they had, were they trying to keep their family safe? Let me know in the comments or let us know in the Discord. And right now, we're gonna talk about it.
What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Hometown Ghost Stories, Dark Mysteries. I am Dave Wilkins. That was the angelic voice of Rob Coakley. Nice job on that, Rob. Oh, thank you. It was a very, very fun episode to research. We do so many ghost stories, right? To dive into an actual vampire story that spanned way longer than I ever anticipated was a lot of fun to research. Not fun to learn about how many people were dying back in these times at a young age, but nonetheless, fun to talk to learn about what people were thinking after they died. Yeah, for sure. Nice to shake things up every once in a while. After all the ghost talk, let's get into some vampires. Also joined by Jesse Wilkins. Hello, Jesse. Hello. Thank you for having me. Anytime. <laughs> so I actually was unfamiliar with a lot of this. Uh, I, I know I'm a big fan of Bram Stoker and a big fan of H.P. Lovecraft, and I'm, a f- I'm familiar with the H.P. Lovecraft story, but I didn't actually know it was based on this. So this was some pretty cool stuff to learn about. What made you want to tackle this story? Well, if you want me to be just completely honest with you, I had a whole nother thing that I was planning to do. And as I was researching it and diving into it and writing it, I was like, I actually have to do an a full hometown ghost story, normal episode on this. And I pivoted and I was like, what's something quick I can write about new England vampire panic, probably really fast and easy to to research. (laughs) Nope. So we, (laughs) we had a lot of, look, it was a lot of work. There was a lot of stuff to go through. Like I said, in the episode, there's like over 80 documented cases that you could reach from on this and find out more about, So I kind of narrowed it down to some of the more prominent ones or interesting, depending on whichever way you want to go to it. You have to talk about Mercy Brown. That is the most well-known one. It actually changed culture based around it. And this whole thing changed culture. So I just was really fascinated with it. And to your point, Dave, I think I had heard like rumblings of this in the past, but I never really dived into it. So once you get into like the the like start really working your way through you're like wow there is so much more going on here than i ever thought and it's insane yeah when you said the new england vampire i assumed that you were talking about the one that i was familiar with which i think was in the 70s in marshfield massachusetts oh yeah yeah that's what i thought you were talking about but it's this had nothing to do with that Uh, and it was a lot a lot bigger of a deal the stuff the one in marshfield was just some psychopath who drank blood yeah, it's actually yeah. an insane story. Maybe maybe we save that one for a dark yeah. Mystery. Save that for another dark mystery. That is a good one. That's more true crime. Yeah, that's crazy because it's crime. it's more recent though. So you can kind of like I don't want to say forgive some of this stuff because like forcing people to eat ground up kidneys and livers and stuff is pretty barbaric. But you can kind of understand more oh. because it was so far back in history where they just didn't know anything <laughs> so they do stuff like that to try and solve problems but whereas like the marshfield one happened in the 70s mm-hmm. you know no one's like no doctor back in the 70s is gonna be like oh you need to have human heart that's yeah. gonna, that's what's gonna solve your problem did you try eating them <laughs> <laughs> did you try eating your dead relatives yeah <laughs> haven't even mixed it into a sweet elixir come on <laughs> you guys aren't even trying at this point yeah it's a ridiculous yep. story and and you're right because i know a lot of people they they listen to our episodes and they probably think, yeah, we, I could do that. I could Wikipedia a haunted place and write and just rewrite that and, and do that. But I did. I, I Wikipedia this story because you talked about the guy that liked his trees a lot and he had a really silly name. And I'm like, oh, let me go get that guy's name because I want to make a joke about it. And he isn't even listening on Wikipedia. And that made me sad because I forgot his silly name. What was his silly name? 
um, Stuckley Tillinghast. Yes, Stuckley so Tilling. <laughs> Don't fuck with Stuckley Hilling. Tillinghast. Tillinghast. <laughs> Don't fuck with Stuckley Tillinghasts. I need you to write it down. It's actually down. all the time we had for the can episode. Write it That's down how long just, his name is. Can you write it down and just put it on your shirt so I can just read it off your shirt? <laughs> Don't fuck with his trees, man. He likes his trees. That's definitely like one of those last names that if he was like a professional athlete, the people that make the jerseys are like, why do you have such a long last name? You see it in hockey. Sometimes they have like the really long last name on the back of the jersey and it just goes from like elbow to elbow. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> crazy yeah so let's let's talk about some of these about what was going on and the remedies and stuff and i mean this all comes down to tuberculosis right like this is this was the disease that was going around killing so many people I, longer than i knew longer than i knew because when i think of tuberculosis i just think of red dead redemption 2 and i think of that time period right not just because of the game but that's when you really heard about it late 1800s early 1900s tuberculosis was killing a ton of people but this goes back to the 1700s where entire families were getting wiped out by it and they had at that time they had no idea what it was clearly right for a because, long time they had no idea what it was i mean this right. was wiping people up for generations yeah i assume it goes back past the 1700s i mean this is a disease that's probably as old as humankind right mm -hmm. and they just never had a name for it until they yeah. called, started calling it consumption and then tuberculosis and then we've pretty much eradicated it yeah because some of these cases like for example when they dug up the grave of what was it jb55 or whatever mm -hmm. um when they dug up his grave and they're like oh his ribs were cracked my first thought was well my first thought was they cracked open his ribs to take his heart out because vampire panic but, but just because we're talking about vampires but i was also thinking like that was a method of treating tuberculosis or what they thought was treating consumption was just open up the ribs and just let those lungs breathe, baby. Oh my God. Let them breathe. That was that was one of the methods. So when you when you first mentioned the the cracked rib cage, I was like, well, it could have been because he probably had consumption. But then at this, then you don't do that. You don't take their skull and bones and turn it into a skull and crossbones. Uh, that's not a. You know what? It probably was a method of treating tuberculosis at the time. They're probably oh. like, well, have we tried the crossbones on him? Let's try the crossbones on him. What do you what, you call yourself a doctor? You didn't even try the crossbones. Next thing you're gonna let me know, you didn't even you didn't even eat some of his organs. <laughs> Turn it into a sweet elixir. Yeah. Now I'm gonna go stand outside of his his room and I have another patient. I'm gonna ring a bell ten times and try to cure that one real quick before I leave. <laughs> Get me the little automobile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Brown's coming in. I'm just gonna tickle her feet for ten minutes and see what happens. <laughs> have you tried it? Then you don't know, right? <laughs> Clearly not a doctor. Clearly a bunch of hacks here. Yeah, well, JB55 is different than all the other ones because that's a wild story where there's these kids playing in like this gravel pit in 1990. He also sounds like a robot. JB55. He <laughs> does sound like a robot. <laughs> the latest model. And and they find these skulls while they're playing. And my first my first thought is, all these people finding these human skulls, I can't find one. I want a human skull to display in my house, right? Mm. And these kids are just out playing and find them. So then they find this old family burial plot. They start like doing the archaeological dig on it. And most of the coffins are normal, but two of them are a bit different and marked different. So it's JB55 and his sons was marked different as well. Well, they're also they, like nailed shut, weren't they? Like tagged yeah, shut? Yeah. 
and they were tacked. That's what they were written in, as you saw in the video. If you watch the video, they wrote the JB fifty five in tacks on, on the coffin itself. Thumb thumb tax, not like income tax. Yeah. Also, not tic tacs. Glad we're clearing that up. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Yep. Um. So when they open the coffin, they that's the site they found, right? The the basically the Jolly Roger, the skeleton, just like strewn about moved and what they think happened is he was dug up five years after he had died and so by the time they dug him up he's basically fully decomposed at that point right like yeah they didn't really do a lot of embalming like we do now so the bodies wouldn't last as long under underground right so they couldn't take his organs their organs were gone everything was gone so they did a ritual that they thought was going to work on him. That's why his is a little different from everybody else's. But they tested his bones and they saw that he also had tuberculosis and that's probably why he died. So my guess, this this is my own theory. This wasn't anything I read, was him and his son were probably the first two at this farm or this little village or whatever to have tuberculosis. And after like five years of people dying, from this disease that they blamed him as being the vampire. He was the first one to have it. He must be the one that's doing it to everybody at night. So desperation. And I think that's like what we're going to talk about a lot in this episode is there's a lot of desperation. Desperation to save your family will make you do things that you never would have thought you would do. Like just to try to save one of your kids after you've watched four or five or six of them die. Mm -hmm. Right. You'll try anything. You're dealing with a disease, and we're going to start jumping around here, but the the majority of the story of these stories are parents losing their children, right? Or one of the parents dying as well. And as they're dying, you're hearing rumblings like, well, there was a vampire in this town, or like, this is what they did in this town. They dug up the body. They they fed the heart to the brother. Well, did it work? Well, it must have, right? Like, like, cause you're playing like telephone in the 17 and 1800s. Well, it wasn't even just the solution. It wasn't just, Hey, your kid's sick. You should probably have him eat some human organs. It was the reason that they're sick. That's not a regular sickness. They were telling them that vampires were coming and just sucking the life out of them at night. Yeah. And there's paintings and, and pictures and drawings of, their depictions of vampires visiting these people and just sucking the life out of them. And it's, it is a scary thought. And listen, if they were like, the solution is, you know, it's going to be making this elixir or whatever you would, you would do most things to save your kids. It's a different time, man. It's, it's superstitious people. They believe in witches. They believe in vampires. And when they're telling them that's the cause is, is, X, Y, and Z is coming back to to suck the blood out of you, and that's the reason that they're sick. It makes you also think that you can put a stop to it because it's not only you have to put together this healing potion out of human organs. It's also if you remove these organs, it will kill the vampire, and then the vampire won't be able to come and do this anymore. So you're killing two birds with one stone. You're also stopping this vampire from visiting your kid as well as healing them with this elixir. Right. So that is... The so when I put it like that, it's much more believable, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, it's okay. the crux of it, though. It's you don't know. You're you're terrified. You're and 
Yeah, the doctor just came by and rang a bell outside your door 10 times, tickled your wife's feet. You're like, I don't know about this guy. (laughs) I'm starting to believe this might be the vampire thing. And on top of all that, what this disease does is it looks like the life is getting sucked out of you, right? Because you become paler and paler day to day. You're losing a ton of weight. You're becoming weaker. It literally looks like the life is getting sucked out of you. So you start putting two and two together. You don't know much about medicine. Nobody does at the time. You're like, yeah, it looks like someone's sucking the life out of them. That makes sense. Uh, And I will do anything I have to to save my child that is still alive. So, And the uh, people that experience, they say that they experience the person climbing on top of them at night and sucking the the life out of them. That to me sounds a lot like it could have been like a sleep paralysis situation and a fever dream. You're sick. You have these crazy dreams when you're sick. And sleep paralysis could absolutely be a part of that. Maybe they're actually experiencing a sleep paralysis demon. Or could have been a vampire. I don't think it was a vampire. Well, that to me, Dave, like is the scariest part of this entire story because you have multiple stories that are all saying that. And these people aren't talking to each other. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not saying it is anything paranormal. I'm just saying like, when you start to hear that and it's repeating, it's like, there is, there's a connective tissue here Mm -hmm. where, you're laying there at night, you're in this, like, you're, you have this terrible disease and then you are seeing like a, an old family member, a sister or a brother or whatever, get up on top of your chest and start sucking the life out of you. Right. And it's gotta be terrifying. And I'm sure it's partially due to them knowing that their sibling or whoever it is had already died from the disease. But it's that's to me of all of this was the scariest thing, even scarier than like feeding the heart to people. Like, cause I kind of get that on that do level. You? <laughs> I, I do for the time period. That's yeah. why you have no fa- That's why Rob has no family. If you were wondering, he ate all their hearts. <laughs> well, do we, do we talk about who was prescribing this? Was it doctors doing it or was it church churchmen doing it? It was townspeople doing it. It was it was churchman. It's got to be the church. The damn churchman. Churchman, churchman ruining everything. <laughs> no, it was usually the town collectively, like coming up to the family, right, and telling them that they should do this. And th- there was no instigation because Rhode Island was actually founded to be away from the church. It was people that didn't really have any religion. So a lot of people, it's gotta be like the town drunk, right? Just (laughs) you're a fucking poor father. This you had nothing left. There's some Larry standing outside of the the saloons. Hey, you try, you try eating your other kid. (laughs) You try it. Do you care? (laughs) There's dirty dead. Never lose. Go eat the other one. Typical Larry. (laughs) it's gotta be a larry right (laughs) yeah so that that was what it was it was the town people because again i was bringing this up there was newspapers and stuff but it wasn't fully being reported on a lot of these smaller villages especially in connecticut rhode island vermont were considered a, a lot more unsophisticated than like massachusetts which is still true to this day but they they were there were so many different things going on there that they were so small. Exeter was a small town. So they're, so hearing, you, they're hearing about these cases. I forgive me for cutting you off. 
they you're, they're hearing about these cases. I do. There had to have been one or two success stories, right? Otherwise, why would they keep suggesting this? It, there had to have been somebody that actually recovered, and I don't know if they were recovering from tuberculosis at the time well, without before modern medicine. Well, I believe it was um, Tillinghast, Stuckley Tillinghast, if I remember correctly. Doing his fucking when, trees. When he finally decided to to dig one of them up, it was because another one of his sons and his wife got sick with with you know tuberculosis. And one of them did survive. So Honor, his wife survived, but his son didn't. So they might have considered that a success. So if she's survived, some others did, and it's you're going to attribute it to that if they did or you know, if they exactly. Did. I'm just saying that there must have been one or two stories of people oh, getting sure. better after they did this bullshit elixir thing to where it would spread around that this is the only thing that has worked is is this elixir. I'm sure it spread around even if it didn't work. Again, we are playing telephone. I mean, I don't know how many people did this in class, but remember when you were in like kindergarten or first grade, the te teacher comes and whispers something to a to the kid in the first row's ear. And you have to turn around and say it yeah. to everybody. And by the time it gets to the end. Yeah, whoever loses, all, you, you eat them. You eat them. <laughs> We've all that's played how, that game. Yeah. <laughs> and none of us have tuberculosis. So sorry that that's you know, times why we don't have it anymore. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. But yeah, the telephone game is happening as it goes from village to village. It's probably taking years to spread from village to village. And they're like, well, fucking they tried it. We got to try it now. What do we have to lose? And I think that's like the important thing. It's like, what do I have to lose? Yes, I'm desecrating my child's grave, which is awful. But if they are a vampire and if I can save my other kids, it just always comes down to that. It was also probably better than the alternative because the other alternative to treating tuberculosis is them cracking open your ribs and letting them lungs breathe. You're like, maybe I'll maybe I'll drink one of the kids first. You know, <laughs> maybe maybe I will try that out a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and there was other places like th there's there was decapitation involved in some of them. It happened a little bit more in Europe, but some of it. You it, also it, saw stakes through the mouth where they would open up caskets and put a wooden stake through their mouth. You saw that on Pavalia Island, actually, a lot of them. There was a vampire panic over there as well. We covered that in one of our episodes. But a lot of the bodies, as they were digging up these mass graves, they were founding, they were finding that they must have thought a few of them were vampires. Yeah, and the stake originates through either the mouth or the heart for keeping them in the coffin, right? It wasn't just like stopping the heart with the stake, stabbing it. It was you put the stake through them to keep them pinned down in the coffin. Mm -hmm. You've also seen it with other graves where they thought they were vampires, where they would build cages over yep. um, on ground level. Like you could still go visit some of these graves that have the cages over the top because like, eh, might be a vampire. Better safe than sorry. Yep. And I was reading about one of the Plymouth cases in Plymouth, Mass, where they thought there was a vampire. And because they were so much more sophisticated than everybody else, they didn't want to eat the heart. So they were just like, well, what do we do to make them not be a vampire? It's like, I think we just roll them over. We just <laughs> make them face the they other way. I don't know which way to go. They're going to dig down to the like, center of the earth. It's just like that. Now there's, I mean, now there's a massive vampire outbreak in China. <laughs> Plymouth doesn't have to worry about that. They got a rock. It's like it's like um, I think the vampire is going to know how to turn its body back around. <laughs> eating eating the heart actually makes more sense than whatever you're doing here. So, but but it was a like level it. it's of, kind of, it's kind of I absolutely love 
that solution. Just flip him <laughs> over. He's gonna go the gonna go the wrong way. The wrong way. It's <laughs> fucking great. It's like the same thing as like the fucking creep who wanted to get buried above Marilyn Monroe, but upside oh, down right. so he could look at her. It's like, first of all, you're dead. Second of all, you still can't see her even if you're alive. Yeah. Third of all, you're a goddamn creep. <laughs> it's just one of those dumb things. Like I remember, I think it was Robin Hood Men in Tights, where little John falls into the water that's six inches and he's thrashing around like i can't swim it's like just stand up like just stand up it's like just turn around the vampire is just going to turn around and get out <laughs> it's a ridiculous thing isn't that where the term headstone came from too where they thought vampires would like bonk their heads on the headstone and go back down no i think they call like it the headstone because it's the head of the grave yeah yeah but they put it that they might be i'm gonna look it up talk amongst yourselves <laughs> so the the other interesting thing about the New England vampire panic is although vampires have been in cultures for, you know, since almost like the beginning of time, it feels like what we now know as like the modern vampire really comes from this time period, the drinking, the blood and all, and like all of that comes from a lot of people are saying like from the, the New England panic, from that depiction because of, I mean, obviously the Bram Stoker thing, right? Like the Bram Stoker thing becomes the epitome of what we know as a modern vampire. And they think that either he was already writing the book, which I think he was already writing the book because it came out like a year after he found out about it or something to that effect. And I, but I think it influenced him. Clearly, like you look at this story of Lucy and Bram Stoker's, it really mirrors Lu Mer Mercy, Mercy's story quite a bit. The name thing could be a coincidence, but really Mercy and her middle name come together to spell Lucy Lena, like Mercy Lena, and it's Lucy. So there, there's some connection that there. Like a, I think. That feels like a reach to me. You feel like that's a reach? I do. I would, but if he's taking that story and her name's Mercy Lena and he's looking for a character name, why wouldn't he just do Lucy? I guess. But I mean, like, I'm not saying he definitely did. I'm just saying I can see the, I can see why he would have. He drew a lot of inspiration from Vlad the Impaler, also. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, but her, but that one character story specifically mm -hmm. really marries the, marries the Mercy story. And then you have H.P. Lovecraft. That's just like, talking about the entire thing that happened in that book. Mm -hmm. So there's other um, instances of literature that came out in that time frame that reference mercy and all that other stuff. But it's also what killed the panic. Her story is what ended everything because the newspapers were there. They were covering it heavily. I think there was two newspapers on site as they dug up these bodies. And it kind of went... 1800s viral so many newspapers were reporting on it um they were calling these people other parts of the country were calling them like inbred hicks <laughs> because they were small villages and they were like because rhode island obviously yeah rhode island yeah exeter was a small little village at the time yep so it, it just kind of like when it comes to light and you see so many people talking about it and the way it's being covered in the newspaper is it's negative. People are like, all right, we're going to stop doing that. 
and modern medicine is getting better at that point in time. So it's just a mixture of everything to kind of stop it. I'm sure there were some after too, just because this was the last documented one we have doesn't mean that it didn't happen a few more times in a couple of other villages. Hell, maybe someone's doing it today. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> if you are, shoot us a message at hometown ghost stories at gmail.com. We would love to come see you eat your children. Yes. Yeah, come by and drink some of that sweet elixir. Yes. So let's go back to the headstone thing. I did I did look into it and there's absolutely nothing on what I just said. I, <laughs> I, I turns out I completely made it up. I feel like I might have heard it on a ghost tour. Yeah. But I might also be completely making that up. Just Headstones, because the vampires used to bonk their heads. They bonk their heads. It's a cute story. You guys don't appreciate cute stories. That's the problem with this show. It's literally something that like your grandparents make up to you as you're like yeah. walking down the street. Someone made up to me on a ghost tour, and I'll tell you, I'm wearing a ghost tour shirt. I believe everything that I hear on ghost tours. <laughs> Even if vampires are bonking their little heads going back to sleep. But they don't sleep upside down because then they'll dig through the earth who was reporting that the vampires like oh, i tried to get out of the grave last night but i bonked my little head on the gravestone. <laughs> couldn't do it good thing they didn't bury me upside down gravestones more like headstones am i right <laughs> <laughs> oh man so that's you know essentially there's so many cases we can't go through all of them over 80 i haven't even gone through all of them yet there's so many different ones to get through, but I thought this would be a interesting one for us to talk about. It's a little bit different. Yeah. Very historical. And Shut up a little, and if you, th I, the way I was thinking about it, the mercy Brown one happened in 1892, which is less than a hundred years before I was born. Right. Like, mm -hmm. like th that's how recent it was within a hundred years. They were digging up people to eat their hearts to try to cure tuberculosis. It, ju it just shows you how much the world evolves in time. Because as you're going through time, like it doesn't feel like anything's changing. But if you start to think back like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 year, and you're just like, wow, things do change so damn much over time. Seriously. And if you zoom way out in the grand scheme, we are so close to that era <laughs> where they were just digging people up and eating their hearts to cure things <laughs> yeah, like we, so we just missed <laughs> just missed we it. go back a little further dude they're doing some pretty other crazy shit so yeah yeah but that's how close we were to eating hearts we almost yeah. ate hearts jesse yeah we missed out it sucks <laughs> <laughs> next time <laughs> next time the next tuberculosis unless I, bonk, unless I bonk my head back on the way out you know <laughs> um is there anything else you guys wanted to add on this no, I enjoyed this. This is actually a lot of fun. It's a story I've been uh, I've been backdooring for a while, and I'm glad we covered it. Yeah, I'm also glad I looked into it. And it's not the last vampire story we're going to do. We're going to talk about that Serbia story at some point in the future. Mm. Because mm. yeah, while Google Jesus Christ, <laughs> while trying to manipulate Google into like headstone vampire, just trying to get literally anything to support my claim. <laughs> There was nothing. Uh, I did find a Colorado vi vampire scare as well. So maybe we have some more in the Ooh. tank. Mm -hmm. yeah, let, us know. let us know what you think of the vampire. Yeah. If you like the vampire stories, we'll do more. I find them personal. Personally, I find them super fascinating. I've always really liked vampire movies like growing up throughout throughout the years i like the oh, twilight he never <laughs> yeah that's the one i'm referencing definitely yeah, vampire movies were fine up until like 1999 i think um 
No, there's some good Blade movies after 1999. I liked the first two. Yeah, the third one wasn't that great. There's a new one coming out soon. Shut the fuck up. This isn't a horror movie review. Let's take our pictures real quick. We have Dave D, Kate and Steve, M. Blazora, Lost in Colorado Mountains. We have Glitter Tease, Cami from Washington, Jennifer P, Dakota G. We have Nick, Donnie N, Inspires Gaming, Allison V, Robert H, Rob Loves Ohio, and Soup. We have mm. George Waring, Cola Sipping, Evangelizing Alien, and Mallory K. We also have Demon King, Mom and Pops, W, and Lisa J. Those are our VIPs. Thank you so much for being VIPs. We appreciate you. More than you know, uh, for our Warren's words, we have Nefarious Chad Poles, Wahini Pirate, we have I Hate Rob, Eugene M, Arcade Hunters, Siobhan Not Sharon, Kath Q, Liz Young, DC, Chris, I'm sorry, Chris C, we have the other Rachel B, Sarah Cook, Stitch Kitten, Ambie Rose, Janice G, we have Drunk Rob running the streets in a Batman onesie, we have Lily, Rachel B, Captain McTibbles, Enjoy. We have Captain McTibbles enjoys top shelf Red Robin liquor. We have premium TGI Fridays to, uh, Wi-Fi. The Sydney B. We have Papa Squatch. We have Mike, the epitome of mischievous nuclear herbs. Blake. We have Jake V. We have haunting barefoot in the bathroom. Steph A. Thank you so much for being part of the Warrens Wards. For the Ghost Pirate Mafia, we have Angel F, Monster Mom 04, Reed M, Lacey, Shannon K, Allie, Dark Snark. We have thanks for all the hard work on this episode. Good job, Jesse and Dave. We have one of Ghost Rob's orphans. We have Megan S. Yes, we are twins. It is fine. We have Morgan S. We have Mark Twain of the Haunted Grape, Julie S, Sharon V, Wayne C, Kelly C. We have I Spit in the Dark at the list listed frog bits snaps to chat. We have Crystal Quinn. We have Aaron A. Mina H. We have Kobe. We have Kobe. <laughs> Thank you, Kobe, whose name is We Have Kobe. <laughs> Daddy loves bonging in Ohio with Dave's haunted hat. Next is Alicia E. Next is, see, We Have just flows a lot better, and that's why I say it, Cody, and now you've ruined it for all of us. <laughs> Next on the list is Thick Boy Freddy allegedly half of the sudden yeeting a lighthouse ghost that has watered down booze. Next is Pork Fiction. Next is Jesse allegedly sexy poetry's voice mouth spitting in the dark at Rob's feet. Next is Sam from Nepal. After that is Joe R. I already forgot how to say this. Me... Dave, you gotta say no. This. There was a different word that we were pronouncing. We have Joe R. We have Paul from St. Louis. We have Ashley M. Al Capone, Huggy Bear. We have Childs was the thing at the end of the movie. We have Solar Flare, Mariah M. I'm fucking doing it again. Sorry, I have to go back. Next is Al Capone. Next is Huggy Bear. Next is Childs was the thing at the end of the movie. Next is Solar Flare. Next is Mariah M. Then we have. Fuck, that also says we have. Then is Carly J. Is Anthony the Sideways Walking Crabite T. Next. Brandon W, followed by Cooper the Hellhound, followed by Dave versus 100 Alpha Frogs, followed by Burlington Hammerdick. <laughs> I'm so aggressive. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Hometown Ghost Stories, Dark Mysteries. Catch us live on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>